Welcome to the first episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Mike Drohan, and together we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feels pretty good to be launching this thing after having it ping around my brain for so long. I was definitely guilty of overthinking it and that essentially leading to inaction for quite some time. My key takeout from the whole process so far is just to get your ugly baby out there as soon as you can and just force yourself to adjust on the fly. My aim for this series is to provide some good vibes whilst exploring a new creative outlet for myself and hopefully for it to act as a reminder that we have the license to do or be whatever the hell we want and our next quest or adventure, whatever that may be, is as close or as far away as we make it. To keep up to date on future episodes and join the discussion, you can find us on facebook.com slash doingepicstuff or feel free to send me an email, mike at doingepicstuff.com. And now on to my first guest, mobile app developer by night, electronic music producer, also by night. He's the A&R or artist and repertoire man for Slime Recording's sister label, Shadow Hearts, a talented veteran electronic music producer and DJ in his own right, whom I've been fortunate enough to DJ alongside on the same bill. His latest release, Spread My Wings, can be found on Spotify and a number of other music platforms. He was the man behind the intro and outro music for this very podcast, which is just a small excerpt from his progressive bass epic titled Intrepid Journey, which I'm guilty of having listened to many, many times. The whole process felt a little serendipitous, given that this podcasting experience has become an intrepid journey for myself. Without further ado, this is the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with my guest, Aaron Danks, a.k.a. Aaron Static. Thanks for taking the time. It's actually really good to, to jump on a call with you and have you as a guest because you've, well, a couple of reasons. One is that you've had a, a release recently, which we can talk mm-hmm. about in a moment. Sure. And the other is that you've uh, given me, essentially given me my intro and outro music for my podcast, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> so stoked to have that and that, to be talking to the author of that. So that's really cool. No problem. Uh, so I was just trying to think the other day where what our backstory is. And I, I'm trying to recall all the way back to when we worked together on our first projects in a, in a digital web project capacity. Yep. And you and Jason were mm-hmm. a team essentially delivering e-commerce web projects for one of my clients. That's right. That yep. yep, that's right. That would have been back in 2011 or something like that. Yeah, man, that's great. So yeah, I think I would have worked with you guys. You probably were the first team I worked with to deliver one of the first projects I delivered when mm-hmm. I started my own business back then. Yep. So that's pretty cool. And I was definitely just finding my way and it was cool to work with you guys. It had a lot of different experience, maybe not so much of it exactly in, in the context of what we were doing at that time. But you, like we were just talking about before, you clearly had the skill sets that you could apply to any sort of uh, web development proposition, which was, which was cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I remember that eventually at one point we were talking about electronic music and you let slip that you were a producer. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Cause I'm super passionate about music. And yep. then we never, we never really engaged much further on that cause we're all just doing our own things and all that sort of stuff. Then I, I think the next time we bumped into each other was probably like, 
maybe four, four or three years ago when I was at a, one of the delight day parties and you were there too. And we were having a drink. And since then we've even DJed on the same bill on one night, which I think was, that was last year, which was cool. And you've kind of always been in the background there, ticking along with your, your music production, electronic music production, and also juggling your primary vocation, which is to, to distill it all down. It's web development. Is that what you would say? Uh, application development. Yeah. App development. Yep. I think that's, that's something I want to explore with you because I think it's pretty interesting uh, having those two things and trying to decide how to prioritize the two of them and making enough time for your passion and not necessarily mm-hmm. having to rely on your passion for your primary income. And I think yep. one of the things people find really difficult is they go, Oh, I want to do this. Uh, I think it sounds really cool, but a, will it make me any money? Which is always, you know, a big mm. stopgap if you put that pressure on yourself yep. and B I've got a full-time job. I'm grinding. How would I ever make time for this? Oh, I just won't bother. So yeah, I think you've, you've managed to make the two work for, a, for quite a long time now, which is really awesome. I mean, the, the, the track that we use in my podcast is from an album in, from 2013 called Redemption. So that's a, that's a way back. Mm-hmm. So you've obviously been doing this stuff for a while. So yeah. let's maybe start, let's start with the release. So you've just released Spread My Wings. Right. Which, which is kind of more, it's definitely has the, like it's drum and bass vibes. It's pretty energetic drum and bass, I think is how I would sum it up. And yes. your stuff tends to be quite atmospheric and progressive, which I love. And I feel like that progressive side of music is also where you play as well. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel to have released that, uh, that your baby that you've been working on for X amount of time? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, drum, drum and bass is my is my roots. Like it always has been since the, since the late nineties, and it's um it's been good to get back into it. Um, I, I'm just I'm loving all the liquid that's been coming out of the UK recently, and uh, so I really wanted to with with our new label, Shadow Hearts, was to was to start producing that like a few times a year again, but still keeping my atmospheric stuff because uh, that's that's really my main kind of genre. Mm. And, and do you, so your, is this your label to give me a bit of understanding about the label itself? Uh, yeah, Shadow Hearts is, it's a sub label of, of Slime. Um, and I'm a, I'm a A&R and, and kind of a partner with, with the Slime group. We've got like um, four labels um, that we run different genres and one kind of main label Slime that's been going for 10 years now. Uh, and yeah, I, I just, I started releasing with them say about five ish years ago, maybe a bit longer. Um, started bringing in some friends of mine as well to, to work with them. And then eventually they offered me, um, like a partnership for an A&R cause I was just bringing half the music on the label was me and my mates. So, um, we joined up that way and they're based in Bristol. Ah, I love it. I love how there's this, this, uh, unlimited ability to, to collab internationally now yep. due to all these communication platforms. And when it works at its best, it allows things like this. Like I remember back in the day, if you were to collab with someone internationally, not that long ago, there would have to be physical movement of people to different places. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never even met Andy, the guy who runs it. And, you know, we've, uh, we've only just spoke <laughs> on the internet. I think we've had a couple of calls really, but yeah, we just we do everything online. Wow. Uh, so you've, you've got this 
you've got this little, what, what, it's essentially a release, would you say it's a release? Uh, yeah, it's a single, I'd say, yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah, got a second okay, track cool. on the other side called Wave Racer, which is like uh, a non-vocal Arter Edge track. Yeah, yeah, I actually really like the Wave Racer tune. I feel like it's got a really awesome feel to it and just like a lot of repeat listening for the kind of style of drum and bass I like. So that's, nice. that's an awesome track. Do you feel like over time you've been able to punch these things out uh, as polished as they are, because this thing just sounds beautifully, beautifully <laughs> mastered and polished. Does, does that process get quicker over time? Um, yeah, it does. Um, I think the, 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 the production and mixing, you know, which is really what you're talking about is, is mixing and engineering. That sort of mm -hmm. comes with, with, with experience and just kind of training your ears, um, you know, having a good set of speakers to start with and a good kind of monitoring setup, but also, getting used to that setup and the room that you're in and knowing you know, what stuff should sound like in that room and then uh, giving you a little test outside. If you're a DJ as well, you get you played out at a club and, and you know, make some tweaks from that. Um, and yeah, so it, it's really an experience kind of thing. And I think a lot of people, a lot of kids starting out producing these days will get very discouraged because they can't sound like their favorite producers after a year, two years. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they're using a pair of headphones that, their dad bought them for 50 bucks and you can only and you can only do so much with it etc like you can get really technically good at producing you can make some really awesome sounds but that you're always going to be falling behind on that and that'll discourage them and then they stop producing and yeah so it's definitely something that um that everyone should do is get a good pair of speakers and just get used to them right okay so this is really where the hardware side of things comes into play which i'll, I'll talk to you a bit more a little bit later mm -hmm. about equipment because i think one of the, well, I guess the central premise of this whole project that I do, which is doing epic stuff, is to get people excited about following new passion pursuits, essentially. Right. Just pick it like someone who's thought, wow, wow, I'm really into electronic music. I'm loving it. I'd love to give it a try. I want this to kind of be a little bit of an onboarding for people like that mm -hmm. to take that aspiration and, and turn it into action. So um, right. we might talk about the steps from a very, very like basic, basic, uh, beginner's point to how someone can start doing this stuff in a moment. Yeah. Um, well, as you're saying, that, yeah. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, as you're saying before, like um, you know how I managed to juggle the two, uh, and it's it's been very freeing for me to to leave money out of it, um, to to not think about you know is this going to make money, um, do it for the love of it, do it because it is a passion, and don't worry, you know, have a job and just do this on the weekend or something like that is definitely yet yeah, something that uh, I think is a, is a problem in the music industry as well as that everyone's trying to turn it into a career. You don't have to, you know, if you just love music. Yeah, just especially anything to do with like the creative, creative mediums, mm. chasing the money is almost uh like counterintuitive to exploration, exactly. right? Exactly. It puts, yeah. a, puts a deadline on things first and foremost, which this stuff doesn't have a deadline really. Like hmm. you've, you've come up with these concepts and maybe let's talk about that. So what, how do you get inspired to produce something as complex and I guess just a, a journey like a drum and bass track? Like you've called one of these tracks Wave Racer. Is that in, mm -hmm. in any way inspired by like the Nintendo game of the same name? <laughs> Uh, no, it was, um, cause I was, I was going for a very kind of cyberpunk 
you know, 80s kind of synthwave vibe with that tune. And um, I don't know, Wave Racer just kind of came to me as like, it, that, that stuff always has like a, a driving racing theme. Um, and I don't know, I don't think I ever played that game or even heard of it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, which is funny, right? Because I can, as soon as I heard that track, it conjured up it felt like it was made almost for that game, like the energy oh, cool. and the pace. And it was just, it was almost like a perfect fit. And if it's not something that you, you are overly familiar with, that's just, it's such a trip <laughs> that music can do that and kind of connect the two. Maybe that's what says more about me and my loose brain trying to connect two things than, than what the music is. But I guess it, it feels like creativity and constantly having refreshing ideas could be a struggle. And I'm kind of interested to know, like I know you yourself get out to the club, you DJ from time to time, but you're pretty much happy being a bit of a homebody by and mm -hmm. large, right? Mostly, yep, exactly. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you find these themes? What's maybe just give me like a shotgun about the process where you go from had no idea to started to building a track. Uh, uh, I always I sit down and I kind of I start with chords. I start with. Um, I've been kind of learning a lot of music theory. It's been my focus for the past few years, you know, as opposed to the production side of things. So I'll start just really experimenting with chords, with notes, finding a key until I find something that, that, that sparks an idea that sparks a theme. And then that makes me think, yeah, actually I could make a drum and bass track around that. That would work really well. Or I might slow it down and go, no, it's more like a trance sound or something that's more progressive. Um, and that that's generally the, the the very core of how I start most of the tunes. Sometimes it would start with a beat because I just have an idea for a beat, um, or I've just heard like a, a new new garage tune that I like, so um, I'm going to make a garage beat. Uh, and sometimes it will start that way, but yeah, it's generally musically with chords and notes until it sparks. So you're kind of just, you're kind of playing, you're feeling it out. So, mm. it, it, and the, the onboarding or the jump off point might not necessarily be the same part or same element of a musical track every time. It can yeah. be, you're playing around with a beat and that sparks something else, or you've exactly. got a series of chords, you start using them and then, yeah, okay. So it's kind of like, you're kind of baking some sort of dynamic cake as you go along. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um, like, like a chemist throwing different chemicals in there and seeing if, 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 if it makes a fire or it makes a rocket fuel or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I'll do a few of those. I'll do a lot of those. I'll do like even 10 to 15 of those over a week if I'm, if I'm trying to get like an EP or something together. And then I'll pick the best ones, pick the ones that are sparking the most and I'll finish those kind of thing. I find that's been the best way. Over the over the twenty years or whatever, I've been writing music to um to get things out instead of just mulling around on your hard drive for a long time, looping and looping every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like as a chronic overthinker, who can I can get bogged down in the finest point of the finest point. Absolutely, yeah. I, I feel like I, I'd have to set some sort of deadlines or some sort of cutoff to stop this just turning into a vortex of hate eventually yeah but well, i just be like oh christ different different methods work for different people um and yeah some some people need to set a deadline i prefer to just find the spark uh and then and then roll with that spark 
while it, while it's rolling and then if it runs out then put it aside for a couple of weeks and just do something else i have like a whenever i go do go to the studio i have a two hour maximum per track if i'm working on it for more than two hours then i stop and if i still want to keep producing then i'll start something new or load up an old track um, but i can't work on it for more than two hours because your ears get tired and i think that that you could say the same just about any creative um, endeavor you kind of get burnout um, yeah you get burnout and you get tired like if you're painting then you just you're looking at the same thing maybe you need to look at something else for a while you know sure sure that makes a lot of sense mm. gotcha so let's talk about getting started in this in this world so how did you first get into producing and what what tools and equipment were you using to do this uh, I got <clears throat> I got into producing uh, kind of the mid '90s um, via the the demo scene. I'm not sure if you heard of the demo scene, but um, they were like uh, on Amigas and and stuff back in the day. Ah. These guys would make like demos, which were like trippy graphics with um, computer music, uh, which is very kind of sample based music. Now in, with these software called Trackers like Fast Tracker oh. 2 and Octomed 3 were like the software that I started out in kind of like 95-ish. Um, and then from there discovered, you know, rave music and and that was made very similar kind of ways. So, um, so it, was a, it was a natural transition into that stuff. Right, okay. And so this was this was like DIY in your own bedroom working through this stuff just from... Yep. Yep, they yeah. were the, the very, uh, yeah, it was very simple back then. Like I didn't have, there was two kind of two streams of music back then of, of you know, of electronic music back then. Um, there was this this stuff, which was very simple, made on very cheap computers. And then there was obviously the guys who had these studios with samplers and keyboards and synths. Um, and, you know, all your, your, hardware. Yeah, your early kind of jungle tunes like by Aphrodite and, and those kind of things were made using the tracker software, just like on Ataris and Amigas, because uh, it was just cheap and you could get it out. And it was very, all you had was samples, really. You had to get samples. Some people might have some synths as well and they'd sample, sample their synths and do that. But, yeah, that's how I got started. Cool, cool. And how did you get across finding people to collaborate with what's how does that process work because i guess there'll be people who go from like mucking around as bedroom producers and then i guess at some point you want to find uh other ways to to innovate and develop your sound and, and the things mm -hmm. that you're doing so how do you how does the collaboration process work um what you're talking about me personally i i, I really only just collaborate with vocalists nowadays um, I might do the odd collaboration with a friend or something like that. But um, when I was starting out, it was it was it was still the internet and just kind of meeting, trying to go out and meet people. Uh, I think it's more the internet nowadays, though. Um, and there's there's Facebook groups. I've been in a few of them um, where a lot of that goes down. Um, and you know, if people contacted me, I could get them into some of these groups. I'd be happy to. Uh, and there's a lot of collaboration that goes on in there, a lot of talking and people make threads about tips and, and you know, sounds that they've just discovered and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that these days. When I was starting out in the late 90s, I didn't have access to any of that stuff. Um, but I would go around some mates' houses 
they had big studios with with synths and stuff and like get samples off this and go home and make tunes with them um but i think there's a lot less of that happening now although it should there should be but um the internet's changed everything well but also also made it a lot more accessible and as well so it's kind of yeah, good and bad in both ways yeah we might we're talking a bit about how the the the, that la the landscape has changed maybe even about like hardware and software but mm -hmm. just riffing on this getting into it scene let's say someone was listening to this and wanted to start just tinkering around with the concept and just in their spare time mm -hmm. having a crack at doing some producing they're like maybe they're into dance music whatever it is what yep. would be the way to go about it do they need to buy hardware you mentioned before no. having some decent speakers would probably be a smart move um, they just want to get get into it. They get they could do it for a, with zero outlay to begin with, just to get into it. Like everyone's got a pair of headphones. Everyone's got uh, like a high file set of speakers lying around. Um, you know, you can get a demo copy of FL Studio or or Ableton or something like that, and just just play around with it, and just see you know if it is for you. Um, look at some YouTube videos. Um, there's mm. a million of them out there for whatever program. Man, so much, so much <laughs> content, like incredible. Mm. And there's some, there's some really good content out there too. So um, I didn't have access to any of that stuff when I was growing up. But uh, these days, it's yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to get into. And you, you can do, you can spend nothing. And then when you've decided that, yeah, okay, I think this is for me, and um, I actually do want to be a serious producer, I want to make stuff that labels release and and played by DJs on dance floors and stuff, then yeah, get yourself the pair of speakers. You can get, you know, spend about a thousand dollars on, on a pair of monitor speakers proper. Um, they're called, uh, you want a flat response monitor speaker. They're specifically made for production so that they don't try to, you know, add more bass or add more treble to the sound to make it sound cooler. It's just flat so you can hear exactly you know, what, what you're putting out. Is what you need to go for. You can get ah. headphones as well that 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 are that have a flat frequency response. Not like my 2010 Mazda three, which anything I put in that stereo <laughs> comes out super bassy. Like. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's it is also a good idea to test your tunes on a system like that, or on or on a system that's going to color it. Um, then you can, because you you want it to sound good on everything, not just your speakers. But if you have the flattest response that your speakers have, the more other speakers that it'll work on, if you know what I mean. Gotcha, you, gotcha. So you, you can get a good sounding when it's flat. flat. Place. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then it always translates better to more speakers when you start from that flat place. I'm feeling this is like if you've got an equalizer on your home stereo mm -hmm. and you start jacking the bass in the mids before you've really listened to it without any adjustments, then yep. you're never going to really have that bass line to understand <laughs> what the hell you're doing to the music That's right. uh, at the end of the day. I feel like this is an incredible time, uh, given all that this, I mean, in and of itself, this whole COVID thing and people being mm -hmm. in lockdown. And even though that's easing up in some parts of the world, it's definitely not in others. It's kind of just getting its, um, or hitting its stride. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think about when I was 18, 19, and really getting into sort of hardcore into music and starting to go out more and all that sort of stuff. Having that all switched off overnight and not having the sort of access, access to content and internet and ridiculous amounts of content just in general that we do now. I mean, I don't know what I would have done. Like it would mm -hmm. have been extremely hard for me, I think, 
now people have this crazy opportunity to pivot, although it's always going to be hard as an 18, 19 year old not to hang out with your mates and, and have drinks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But if you were going to try something new and this, this is the time to do it, I guess Definitely. with all this access to content, it's just incredible. Mm. Sounds- and I feel like it's even made me think, geez, what, what do I need to skill up in? Like maybe <laughs> I should just start looking at some new stuff. And I'd love to start producing myself, but it's kind of one of those things that I've like, eh, I just, I love music. And I think I'm happy just to be a, like a really, really big lifelong fan of, of music <laughs> itself. So it will it, leave it, it to the pros. <laughs> it does change how you, you, you hear music a hell of a lot. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of, I, I miss um, just enjoying music and enjoying how it sounds. Oh, you have to dissect it. Yeah. Is it like oh, an yeah. advertising? Like I can't see an ad without being exactly. critical of it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Everywhere like, I go, you, yeah. you listen to something and I'm like, wow, that's fucking amazing. And you're like, wow, this production, the, the values are so low. It's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I can, I, I can still see the, um, I can still see the appeal in something that if it's like, if it's produced badly, but I still, I still love music like that. That's just thrown together haphazardly, but, but still has some kind of soul, some vibe about it. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess there was a period in my life where I was very, very one-eyed, very technical, and by no matter terrible, even though it was vibey and people loved it. Uh, but these days, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've grown out of that. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess with with a little bit of uh, maturity comes uh, a, a relaxation in that regard, doesn't it? You exactly, just kind of yeah. go, well, in the scheme of things, it's not that important, really. Mm. Like people having a good time, awesome. And know? at the end of the day, I wish I made that tune. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely so doing uh app development which is in its own way quite a creative uh medium i would argue that you're mm. solving problems and building things with code and mm. it's it's like a different creative landscape and then you've got music which is very much you know it's 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 auditory painting sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How have you made the two work together and how have you allocated time one versus the other? And I guess mm. one of the things you have done is fairly, fairly early on being happy for music to not be a, a moneymaker per se, but to be yep. an interest. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Yep, sure. Um, I, yeah, I think, I mean, that, that, that's the core of it really is that I've, uh, my, my goal has always just been to be heard and to still be heard in a hundred years time. And that's all, uh, not, not to be famous, not to be touring the world. Um, and that's always kind of allowed me to, to have an open mind and experiment and not really you know, to do something and not think about how many people are going to like this or how many DJs are going to play it or anything like that. And then, um, I've been lucky enough to, fall in with this label with slime recordings and and then that gives me a platform that that I can release on we who uh, and I you know I can release whatever I want and then I could do a, a banging toy techno tune and then just put it out um so that's that's and, and and also the time there's no time restraint they're not forcing me to put out five EPs a year or an album a year or anything like that I just when I've got something I go can you put this out yep it's out uh so that that gives me a very open schedule. Obviously, I have a full-time job with the app development, so um, 
that takes up the majority of my time. But uh, but they've also been very good about it as well to say they know that I do this on the side and then um, and that sometimes I might be doing that on a Friday afternoon or something like that to get it in, to get an EP out. But uh, yeah, I've uh, been lucky in in a lot of ways. But it's all I think the very core of it is just not forcing myself to make a career out of it. That's been the core. I feel like that is such a, I guess, and there's like the Maslow's hierarchy of need. It's like making enough money to to eat and sleep and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and live well at a base level mm. is so much of what drives our decision-making process. Yep. And I think the thing that, that I found really interesting about what you just said then is that you had a pretty clear goal about what you wanted to achieve through music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds like you've stayed true to that goal the whole time. And that is inherently taken the pressure off the whole undertaking for you. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that's super, super important just for anything in general is having an idea of what success looks like before you undertake it. Um, that's right. Yeah. You know, which is also, you don't want that to take away from something like, Oh, I was going to learn to skateboard, but I couldn't be Tony Hawk. So I just thought, fuck it. <laughs> I think it's more like, I think it's more like setting objectives that are like, well, you know, I'd like to skateboard until I can ollie and then I'll see where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be some crazy, massive, audacious objective, but I right. think you having yours, which was just basically to create something almost like an, an, uh, a legacy for yourself, hmm. which is... A legacy, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I want to live forever through, through music, basically. That's pretty cool, man. I feel like that's uh, that's got to be on a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's that's really good. Let's talk about maybe just the the broader discussion on the state of play of, of the music world. So mm-hmm. Clubland's a little bit inert at the moment because people mm-hmm. can't really go to clubs, yeah. and everyone's doing these uh, live performances through various platforms and then running into these issues with copyright problems and people going, Oh, you can, you can live stream, but only if you don't even pay it, if you don't, only if you don't play music that you don't own. Uh, I said that poorly. Yeah. So you can't play copyrighted music, which basically is the total antithesis of DJing, right? (laughs) That's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) That is what you do. So, which has left people kind of moving to gaming platforms to try and stream mixing, like people are just mixing on Twitch and then they started to ban it there. And it feels like the world's in a state of flux in that regard, which mm-hmm. means that there's massive opportunity and someone's going to snap it up. Yep. So where do you think we're heading with all of this stuff? And do you think clubs as we knew them mm-hmm. will, have we been through the golden era? Or will it largely revert back to how it was? Um, yeah, right. It's, it's a, it's, there's a lot to unpack there, but um, yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm involved. Let's start with the platforms. Let's start with the platforms. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, in, I'm actually involved with this this company uh, called Streambeans, um, and yeah, so the, the this guys is from, delight guys, the delight guys, yeah, 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 and we've uh, we've been we've been setting up some streams um, for like Puffdorf and, and Discover. Kilda lately, um, uh, obviously with, with you guys. So you're using yeah. your tech in those parties. That's that's, awesome. that's them, yeah. Um, and yeah, they're um, 
uh, that's going really well. And obviously with COVID, it sort of exploded with that. Um, and Facebook was, was what everyone used. And now we're in this kind of process of trying to get everyone to move over to Twitch. But now Twitch is starting to have some copyright issues. Uh, yes. So as, you, as you're saying, the, um, uh, the platforms and then how they're, they're, there's, there's an opening there. I think Mixcloud is the one that's jumping into that, that space. They've been really, um, they were very quick as soon as COVID happened to, to get this, their features out, their streaming features. And they've actually gone and bought licenses from a lot of the big labels and distributors. So they've, they've done the hard yards and you've got to, as a DJ, you have to actually pay, be a premium Mixcloud member before you can stream. But that's how they're able to kind of cover that and get the money to the labels and to the artists. So they're, they're really leading always, the charge at the moment. I always felt like Mixcloud was like, I've, all, I've been using it for years. Basically, mm. I, can't, I can't remember how long. Like it's always been my go-to platform just to listen to mixes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always felt like, Jesus, are these guys making any money? And mm. like, what are they, how are they, how are they subsisting on this thing? Because there's no advertising and there was no subscription model for listeners. Right. And then it feels like at this crazy 11th hour, they've come through with a model that makes the, the, the artists and this, uh, the listeners a reason to subscribe. And yeah. it sounds like a really compelling one on face value. Like I haven't heard one that, that sounds mm. as good as that before. So do you think this is going to be their time to shine basically? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I personally agree with them trying to charge the listeners. Um, mm. The list, like that, so the, the the site is a bit it's a bit feature locked at the moment. You have to be a premium member if you want to rewind and mix and stuff like this. So there's some very yeah, minor, that is frustrating. That's uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. Like I'm I'm absolutely 100 okay with them charging us, the artists and the labels, um, so that licensing is covered and we don't get copyright struck. But we want to have as many listeners as possible, and the only way that's going to happen is completely free for them. Uh, so I'm not sure I agree with that. But uh, other than that, I do believe they're the only one like they've, they've flipped the business model on its head um like soundcloud is dying at the moment uh because yeah. they, they weren't able to get their licensing issues sorted out um and they went for the full youtube style dmca shut it all down kind of thing um and yeah they've mixed cloud i think that their plan was always to try and flip it on its head that business model and then they played the long game until now look at on them they that really respect. did Okay, so they're kind of doing that thing. You guys have got your own, basically your own proprietary platform you've been working on and battle testing in the clubs. Because I remember last time I went to a delight party and played at a delight party, you guys were streaming it through your platform. Yeah, so we used it as a, as a testing ground for everything um, and, and to get used to it. And uh, we've slowly built up some, some equipment since then, got some investors and, and yeah, now we're able to to do a professional kind of thing like the Puftal stuff. Mm. Okay, cool. So where does this, how does this apply to the future of Clubland and consuming live content? What, mm. what happens next, do you think? Jeez, that's, um, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, you know, clubbing is not going to go away. Um, we're gonna we're gonna come out of this this COVID mess and clubs will reopen and and they'll be rammed just like they were back mm -hmm. in the day. I think there might be some changes that come about. Um, 
not necessarily because of COVID, but but um, I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing a big shake up in the industry now in regards to things like racism, sexual assault, etc. That which has always been a problem, club scene, and the, yeah, there's a big shake up right now online because I guess everyone's at home and they've got nothing to do uh, but tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there, there could be some changes along that. There's also a lot of changes. There were even before COVID, there was some changes with, uh, you know, and men always getting booked full male lineups, etc. So that that was there was already some changes happening that way. So that there's a big, I think that's a bigger kind of change then than what what, what COVID's going to do. But but obviously streaming is is going to become a bigger platform even after. Um, and who knows? Even maybe VR. It's a thing that starts happening. There's been some, uh, I think Desert Dead Mouse did like a Minecraft concert or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it, 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 there's going to be a lot of crossover in in through VR and the gaming industry as well. Yeah, there's this, this cross-pollination happening. I've seen hmm. uh, for a number of big artists getting into the gaming, connecting to the gaming ecosystem. Yes. Uh, I like, I think you're absolutely right. Like the, the question that I asked you is probably not even as important, not so much who goes back to Cobland or whether they'll reopen. It's more what it will look like mm. post these massive changes um, in, in, I guess, as you said, like, like racism and sexism, those things are really the doors wide open and, mm. And there's been a pause on Clubland, so I think we can probably expect when it opens again. Hopefully, it's a lot more inclusive and a happier place, just in general. So. Yeah, I hope so. I think I think the the entire world's going through a lot of those changes at the moment because because uh, everything's on pause. So yeah, it's 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 making a lot of people kind of wake up. So I'm going to just ask you a couple of just rando questions. So, is uh, is hardware produced music dead? No, not at all. Um, it goes. It seems to go in waves these days. Like there's a big movement at the moment with uh, with Eurorack and modular synths. Um, a lot of and it's a very expensive kind of way to produce music. The most expensive way to produce music, but um, but some people prefer that kind of hands-on feel and how they can patch cables around and make sounds that way. Um, Please explain to me that crazy patching cables. <laughs> big hardware setup, like as simply as you can, because I know the whole thing is the premise just doesn't appear simple, but what is going on there? This um, is Eurorack? Yeah, Euro, Eurorack modular. So they, they each module kind of just has a single task. You can think of it like, you know, in, 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 in your speak, it would be like a web service or something that just has one job um, just to just to make a sound, just a buzz, and then it goes into something else. That might be a filter that... that um, that changes it and makes it go doop, doop, doop or something. And the, so the cable comes out of the, the buzz making module and into that module. And then that will be affected by another module that's just creating like a, some random notes or, or, or triggers a rhythm, a random rhythm trigger or something like that. Um, yeah, it all kind of works together. Uh, so yeah, it's a very modular, very modular way, just like you would you know, put together a website with plugins. I, I get it as a concept. You kind of, it's really taking it back to as modular approach to making music as you can. Yep. Yep. And that, that's, okay. that's been a very, that's really been a very big push lately, you know, as opposed to like buying a synth that does it all in one box uh, and you just 
little some knobs like modular allows you to and it is going backwards in a way as well like that's kind of that's how it all started back in the 60s and the 70s like they they had these huge walls these moog synths modular synths where they would patch all the cables together so it's it all goes in circles and it always will i don't think hardware is dead i don't think software is dead i think there'll always be there'll always be both uh, and they'll, mm. they'll always they'll always look different. Like so, so there'll be there'll be a software, um, you know, renaissance one day because there's a new plugin that comes out or whatever. And then the next year it's all now. Everyone it's a cool now. Uh, so yeah, the, the, <laughs> it's basically cyclical, and and it will keep going round and round. I remember, uh, well, actually, not that long ago, I've been reading Billy Idol's book. Dancing with myself, you know, crazy Billy Idol from the eighties, spiky mm-hmm. hair. Yeah, I figured he'd have to have gotten up to some crazy shit. So, and it is very, a very interesting read. Turns out he was pretty much off his nut his entire career. But <laughs> one of the things he talks about was because I don't think Billy Idol's really credited to, with this, but basically what he did was he fused punk and the early electronic music sound. So mm-hmm. he took kind of punk concepts. And then he was one of the first guys to be integrating those with an 808 drum machine. Um, yep. Yeah, he mixed it with the kind of new wave stuff at the time. Yeah, the, the early 80s synth stuff. Yeah, yeah, exact, exactly. So there was kind of, there's a, I'm probably not articulating it that well, but he's mm. no, got a, mean, few, no, yeah. a few genres kind of mashed together there for the first time. He's kind of on the edge of that. And he says in his book the reason he was using the 808 was because he couldn't get a drummer into the studio with any significant reputation who would comply with playing a basic beat. <laughs> like, <laughs> just they would just do it like, because <laughs> yeah, like, so you get the drummer down the studio and the drummers are heroes back in the seventies and eighties and they want to put a flourish in and they can't get to this idea of, well, I'm going to do this for four minutes, just this repetitive beat. So he actually had to use drum machines because there's no other way to get his tracks made. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yep. Um, so my last round of question before I go into my post-fight interview questions. Yep. Uh, did, did you watch the Drum and Bass Arena documentary, The Movement? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. No, no, I've been meaning to. I need to. Okay, cool. You should watch it. You'll like it. <laughs> I will. There's a lot of my there's a lot of my friends in it, so I've got to I've got to got to see it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, man. It, I think it'll be right up your alley. It's one of those things like anything that has anything to do with drum and bass has a, a billion differing opinions, right? Because it's just yeah. it, it's such a crazy broad and diverse landscape of subgenres and subcultures mm. and all that jazz. Uh, but I think if you can just take it for what it is, I found it very enjoyable. So I definitely check that out. I will. Uh, so on to the very last section, Aaron. So this is the doing epic stuff post fight interview questions. Okay. Has there been a single most significant obstacle that you've had to overcome to to continue to pursue uh, this music production journey? Ooh, uh yeah, well, there, there was definitely there was definitely a time when money uh, kind of slowed everything down for probably a few years. Um, uh, just kind of leading up to moving over here to Melbourne, really was um, was when I struggled with it. I didn't have um, a decent setup. I didn't even have a decent computer. Uh, it made it really difficult. 
uh, until yeah, until moving over here to Melbourne and getting a decent job, <laughs> and I was able to um, start building a proper studio. Uh, so yeah, that's probably been the biggest hurdle, money as it is for just about anyone. It's just one of those things that as you got more money, you were able to pour it back into something that really interests you, and it's mm. just a, an ongoing process. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And do you think that this journey of of being in and around and loving music and producing music, do you think that's changed you in any way? And, and if so, how? It's got you out it's, of the house more. <laughs> it's got me, it definitely gets me out of the house more. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a difficult one to answer because it's just always been a, a part of me um, since I was 13 years old or something. Music has always been there and I've always been going out to, to raves and, and every single friend that I have is, is through music in, in some way. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult to answer because I don't even know what I would be without it. So it's essentially it's, it's a big part of your, your, your lifestyle. It's not yeah. even just a, something that you do. It's something that you are almost. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And I think... Um, just about anyone you meet who who kind of grew up with drum and bass, they they shit it, they eat it, they breathe it. <laughs> they, yeah. It's just it, it 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 does that to a person, and it did that to a lot of people over in Perth as well in the nineties. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I feel like it is just a a love that you'll you'll have for life. That one, that particular uh, yeah, sound. absolutely. And I, I I definitely haven't gotten sick of it, so it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Maybe I'll skip that one and I'll say, what advice do you have to anyone who would like to get into uh, producing their own music? Oh, um, yeah, well, that's, that's an easy one because I have to, I kind of, I do, it's part of my job as an A&R is to, is to do that and just have fun. Really, it's as simple as that. Um, don't, don't try to, don't try to be dead mouse. Don't try to be your, you know, your number one guy, your number one producer or whatever, just enjoy yourself. Um, make music that you want to make, not what you think is going to be popular. Um, and find some other people, you know, with similar, with the same interests as you and, and, and work together, like feed off each other. Like that's, that's how all the, all the, all the biggest friends that I know that have actually, you know, broke, broke out of the underground and, and, you know, um, become huge they've all had someone that they could feed off and as as well as they've just tried to enjoy themselves and they've, they've had a backup degree in something or you know a, a, even if it's a job at Maccas or something they've had that to, to help them kind of get through the early parts they've always been able to still eat yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so kind of it distills down to two things, which I think you've articulated really well there, which is one is to have fun and one is to find your tribe. Yeah, find and your tribe, exactly. It's a good way to put it. If you can get those two happening, I think you're doing, you're doing pretty bloody well. Like life is going to be pretty good in general, exactly. regardless of how you do it. So yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, and anything else you wanted to promote or spruik? You've got anything else coming up that you want people to check out or maybe just... Uh, uh, the best place where people can listen to your music? Uh, yeah, we'll just, uh, just I guess, go to Spotify. I've got um, an album that I put out last October. 
Um, and there's another two albums there. That's my that's my third. Plenty of music there on Spotify. There's more on my SoundCloud. There's what's the, of, what do they search for on Spotify, Aaron? Uh, Aaron Static, two A's, uh, R O N Static. Um, and yeah, if you tap that into Google, you tap that into YouTube, you tap that into anywhere, you're going to find a whole lot of stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Aaron. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. No problems. Thanks, Mike. episode of the doing epic stuff podcast if you'd like to get in touch please check us out on facebook.com slash doing epic stuff or feel free to send me an email mike at doing epic stuff.com and a reminder that aaron's latest release spread my wings can be found on spotify along with his whole epic back catalog of transportive electronic auditory creations we out